You are listening to Public Health Joy, the safe space where we help public health professionals to serve, educate, and build healthier communities. We do more than public health. We bring joy to public health. Let's get it. Let's go. Welcome to Public Health Careers 101, and we are so glad that you are joining us today. I am going to be your host. My name is Joy Washington, and I am the founder of Joy Washington Consulting, which is a community health education and research consulting firm where we help early career public health professionals, whether you're a current public health professional or a aspiring public health professional. um, We help you to really serve, educate, and build healthier communities. And that means that we help you to transform your skills, your education, and your research into life-changing public health programs, helping you to bring joy to the communities that you serve. Um, If you would like to know more about services and programs at Joy Washington Consulting, you can always visit www.joywashington.com or also subscribe to our email list to get updates. So we are here tonight with some wonderful public, public health professionals who are here to share their story. And just briefly, I want to share why we started this series and kind of what to expect along the way. So some of you might be familiar or have have heard the name Leonora Aquara. She uh, used to do the Public Health Culture podcast. Um, And she is also the founder of the Association of Black Researchers. And so last year, we started doing these conversations on Clubhouse to provide a safe space to really share information and resources to help people put their public health research into action. Um, But this time, we decided to do something just a little bit different and really focus on careers. Now, for me, I remember when I was fresh out of my Master of Public Health program, it was about two weeks after, and I was in tears. I was crying because I realized at that moment that I had had this awesome experience in this public health program, Master of Public Health program, but I had no clue how to start my career. I knew I needed a job. I knew the bills needed to be paid. I needed some income coming in, but I didn't know how to go about doing that. Um, And so a lot of us have been in the field for a while, and some of us have probably experienced that feeling where we've had some opportunities, we've had some failures, and somehow we've made it to this point And now we have so many lessons that we've learned over time. And these lessons need to be shared so that you don't have to fumble through your career like some of us had to fumble or I know I had to fumble through mine. Um, And then we can share those lessons so that we can provide some guidance that we didn't have along the way. So with that said, I want to introduce our speakers. And before I forget, happy Black History Month to everybody in the room as well. Um, So we're going to introduce our speakers. And so Alyssa, since you're showing up next to me, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and just tell us who you are, what you do, and how you serve. Hi, everyone. My name is Elisa Howard, and I'm the owner of Minority Health Consultants. I'm a public health, I call myself a public health servant leader because I not only serve the community, but I I like to think that I like to lead um, other public health professionals in their career, um, including community health worker students. How I serve is pretty much my company is focused around the minority community, specifically the black community. Um, And what I do is I bridge the gap between stakeholders and the community themselves. So public health access, um, resources, um, education, anything that basically will bring health equity to African-American communities um, in regards to public health. Um, And yeah, so I'm actually a community health worker instructor as well. 
And so I use that as a public health space to also teach about health equity. Um, in that course, I get to teach about cultural competence. I get to teach the next generation of people who are going to go out and be that those people on the ground. Um, and to me, that's a great honor because what it does is shows me that the work that I do can be continued for generations to come. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, and Dr. April Moreno, you would introduce yourself. Hello there and uh, happy Black History Month to you all. Uh, I'm Dr. April Moreno. <clears throat> I'm here in Southern California and I um, have been in the field of public health since 2011. And so, yeah, around 10 years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, about 10. And um, it all kind of started um, along the way. I guess I'll talk about that as we um, have this conversation today. But um, so I am the founder and CEO of the Public Health Podcast Network. We are a podcasting and career development network. And uh, basically, we support public health professionals across all levels, all stages of their career trajectory. We do have a membership that we train people in how to get their word out there, get their message out there, and also to network and build their public health careers. So you can find us at publichealthpodcasters.com. I'm also a consultant for things like health equity, qualitative research, and so on, strategic planning. And then the third thing I do is I founded a nonprofit called the Autoimmune Community Institute, where we're dedicated to autoimmune health equity. And basically, if you don't know my story, while I was doing my PhD, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition, couldn't see, uh, didn't know what was going on with my body, just had a lot of like pain, numbness, um, panic attacks, and also, yeah, blindness in one eye. And <clears throat> having that diagnosis and still getting through in, in four years, thankfully, uh, with my PhD was an interesting journey, finding out that uh, when, in the autoimmune community, there was a lot, a lot of missing diversity in representation in the community spaces. So um, that's me. And thank you so much, uh, Joy, for uh, uh, inviting me here today. Thank you. And just to give you all a little bit of uh, how this is going to go, we're going to spend about 20 to 25 minutes just engaged in discussion so that you can hear the speaker's point of view and their stories um, and their history and uh, what they need to say. And then we will uh, take a moment and have bring people up for Q&A. So be listening closely. And if you have questions, we will be bringing people up so that you can ask your questions directly to the speakers and we'll have conversation there. Um, and then the last five minutes, we will wrap up and close. Our speakers will share any product services, upcoming events and other ways that you can get in touch with them if you would like to connect with them outside of Twitter spaces. Um, and then we'll just go from there and we will end at the top of the hour. So with that said, we're just going to get into a light question. So what is public health to you and what interested you in public health? How did you even get started in this? What interested you in it? So I guess I'll start. Um, I did not know. And my career span, uh, basically goes back to um, the same length of time, 10 years, um, started in 2011. I literally was in school for my bachelor's degree for psychology. I had already had a career in paralegal studies. Um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer <laughs> when I was uh, younger and, you know, worked with a couple, you know, with some lawyers for about five years. And I decided that was not the way that I wanted to help the world. Um, so I went back to school. I was in my psychology degree. A friend um, basically called and said, hey, 
<laughs> she was working at the state public health office and she said, I know you're in school full time, but we need a we need a part time um, receptionist actually at the time. And she said, would you be interested? Um, so I actually went in with my with my resume um, and my resume had on it that I was a published author. By then I was, um, you know, I had paralegal experience and things of that nature. And on the spot, I basically was asked, hey, you know, we see your resume. I know we brought you in for a receptionist position. But um, we actually have a tuberculosis uh, policy and procedure writer position. Would you be interested in that instead? And of course, being a, a natural writer, um, having written in law and just being a writer in general, I said, OK, I don't know what tuberculosis is, <laughs> but um, sure, I'll, you know, I'll take that. It ended up being more of a full time job. So I did have to juggle finishing school and all those things. But that's what led me into public health is literally I did not know what public health was. Um, as you all probably know, in your schools, um, they don't tell you about public health. They don't even tell you that that's an option. You don't hear about those type of careers. So I've never even heard of public health. I've heard of healthcare. I heard of medicine, but never the word public health in that terminology. And so working at that office was basically my it was my career starter. Um, it was very interesting to even have to start from the very beginning. What is public health um, <laughs> to even have to research that? Because as a writer, of course, you have to do a lot of research on what you're writing about, um, but also just the topic of tuberculosis um, in that in that same office. There was um, because it was a state office, there was HIV coordinators, STD coordinators, cancer. So it was actually a great start for me as I look back because of the fact that I got to learn so many different um, health concerns and health ailments um, that a lot of people don't get to see within their career. Um, so that was my entrance into public health and what public health now means to me. Public health means just the health of the community, the health of the public. I think this pandemic has really shown us how we all impact each other and how you, you, know, you think that a public health concern is not of your concern, but unfortunately that's what public health means. It's it's a public uh, community. <laughs> and so we all affect one another. And so that's what public health means to me as community. Lisa, I love that. I agree with you uh, in the definition of public health and what it means to the community that it's about us looking out for one another. It's about us caring about one another. And I really love the fact that that aspect um, hopefully is growing right now as we discuss public health as a field and more people know what it is right now with the pandemic, of course. Uh, and so for me, um, you know, this is April again, Dr. Moreno. What interested me in public health was the health equity aspect of it. And I come from a cultural anthropology background. My original bachelor's was in cultural anthropology. My first master's was in cultural anthropology. And uh, from there, I just struggled to find work. Um, uh, MPA, I know MPH folks are, um, some people are struggling to find work, but when you have an MA in anthropology, whoa, <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. Uh, even while you're studying, people are like, what are you going to do with that? And it was just, well, I love culture. I love diversity. And this is my way to, you know, bring in diverse voices in the way we do research. That was what that was about. So anyways, I went to Japan, taught English for six years um, in the early 2000s, had a wonderful time, actually was going into like the marketing field for a little while. Um, but then, <clears throat> yeah, I worked in a Japanese company, which was amazing for a few years. After that, came back <clears throat> to the United States and could not find work. And uh, so basically what my dad 
said to me was, you know, you, you need a government job. You just need something stable. You don't know what you want to do. At least, you know, get something stable. And so I ended up in child support services. Um, so I was in L.A. County. Um, I worked in the call center of child support services. And it was really interesting. Um, you did see like a lot of women of color in there. And then the leadership was male and white. It, you know, it, was, it just opened my eyes to a lot of what was kind of already going on um, in kind of per- public services. And so from there, I just um, went in for another master's in public administration, interestingly, just because I really uh, found that I loved uh, leadership, strategy, things like that. And actually, uh, the first job I got, and it was like while I was um, getting my final um, exam, my finals done, my last class, I got the call and I was hired for a job as a research analyst in LA County Public Health in substance abuse. So I didn't know anything about public health. I just really wanted to do some kind of qualitative or some kind of policy research. And um, yeah, so that was my first entrance into public health. And I think it's really interesting and it's funny how I think probably 99% of public health professionals that I talk to, they kind of fell into public health, right? We don't grow up when we're five or six years old and saying, oh, when I grow up, I want to be a public health professional. I don't think I've run across anybody <laughs> who has ever said that. Yeah. So it's always funny how we kind of, we we fall into public health somehow. We, we come across it later on in our lives and see how important it is, right? Um, And I know for me, I was actually introduced to public health when I was in high school. Um, And I didn't really, I wasn't really able to comprehend what public health was, but I was somewhat consciously aware that it was a thing. And so for me, it's just kind of public health has evolved over time and across my life. And I've seen it in different ways. Um, So with that said, I know both of you kind of mentioned how you got into your first job in public health so what was that experience like what was it like having your having your first job in public health and what did you learn from that experience this is Elisa I would say uh because I came from a paralegal and a legal background um and also a banking background it all it all fell into place I like to tell people especially students um, that say you know my my experience is not uh, relatable or anything like that I'm a big Um, person that believes in everything that you've done can be used, even in public health. Um, And the reason I say that is because um, although I did 10 years of banking as I was going through school, um, became a paralegal, um, law and all those things, and you think, well, how does that add to a public health, um, you know, a public health professional? Like, how did you use that? I can definitely say running um, programs. Um, I ran an HIV uh, program, Ryan White program for years. My, My finance experience came into place. (laughs) I had to understand budgets. I had to understand how to write a grant. So my writing came into place. And then with the legal background, of course, um, understanding uh, NRS codes um, here, they're in NRS anyways, Nevada revised statutes, um, understanding and and using those in my writing as a tuberculosis policy and procedure writer. And then currently my business has has come to start working with legislators on bills, on health equity bills. So over this last year and a half, I've been working on health equity bills. um, And that comes from my legal background of knowing how to even look up laws and uh, public health, how to get bills changed. So we just actually, uh, Nevada just claimed that racism is a public health issue. I was part of that bill. Um, We have gotten it um, approved from the state level and from the county level. Um, And so that's where my 
I just see my skill sets being played out in so many different ways, although they had nothing to do with public health when I first started um, because I did not have that uh, anticipation to go into public health. But I've learned to utilize all that I have and all that I've learned. And so to me, public health has just been it's been a, a lifesaver, like a career saver for me, because I didn't know what I was going to do with psychology. I didn't know what I was going to do with my legal background. I didn't know what I was going to do with all of the uh, skill sets that I had learned along the way. And public health, just it just made sense to me. Um, I love that it allows me to encompass all of my skill sets, um, you know, in just different ways and allows me to connect with the community um, most, in, most of all and most importantly. Elisa, can I work with you? That sounds like such uh, a good job. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, yeah. uh, with the health policy and health equity analysis, things like that is wonderful. Um, yeah, again, this is uh, Dr. April Moreno. And uh, I like what Elisa was saying in terms of all the different skills. So I worked in the call center in child support. And I will say for, for myself, it was really the toughest job I ever had. Um, I was... Um, just really depressed in there. I just like, you know, I, <laughs> I, I don't want to say anything mean about it because it is, a, it's a great job. You know, you learn a lot about policy. You learn about how to like access like qualifications for Medicaid, Medi-Cal, you learn bank levy, you learn how to like freeze people's licenses for professional credentials. It's, it's something else. Right. <laughs> but um, the truth is you only need two years of customer service experience to get that job. And there I was, you know, um, traveling the world, teaching English, working for a Japanese company, having, having a master's from London. I had this really exciting time in my 20s. And then to come back and sit in this call center, you know, it was really hard for me. And um, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad because I have friends working there. They love it. <laughs> but um, for me, it was just it wasn't a great match for what I was hoping to do with my life. And um kind of what Elisa was saying, there are so many skills you pick up along the way with all the various, um, you know, patchwork of jobs you've had in the past, or even in your academic journey, that if you learn how to self self advocate for yourself, and learn how to express that clearly in your resume, it can take you farther. So what happened with me was that I knew I read the qualifications for this research analyst job for LA County Public Health years ago, I read it back in 2008. And I said, you know, I qualify for this, but I didn't know how to convey my experience in the way that needed to be done. I didn't know how to say, yes, of course I've done research, but I didn't know how to say that. I didn't do like a tradition. I didn't have a professor, a research project in that traditional way. But, you know, there are definitely ways in which I did research as a student. And also, um, anyways, it just um, took me two years to actually get this job in public health as a research analyst. So when I first got there, it was a dream. I loved my first job in public health. And the reason why, and when you work in government, you will hear this, it, everything depends on your supervisor. And so the first job I got, um, actually, I will tell you, actually that day I actually got two job offers for the same job in two different departments. And it was like, wow, I, if, you, if any of you ever gets the opportunity to get hired in multiple opportunities at the same time it's it's a blessing right uh, so that's the one time it ever happened for me where I was actually hired at the same time at two different jobs or two different roles um, you know and two opportunities came up and I chose the one where the manager the supervisor seemed like the most um, you know approachable most coolest person and so when I got that job I was so happy I thought 
it was it was like a dream. I loved my boss. I loved my team. It felt like a family. He was the nicest. He had never said anything to make me feel bad. He was like, you know, he, he was kind of a yes person. Everything I asked and everything I needed to do, um, anything I any tra uh, trainings I wanted, he was all he was supportive. And that's kind of the kind of boss that you want, whatever field you're in. You want someone who's going to be on your side, support you. And um, that's what I found in my first public health job. And unfortunately, it was short-lived. They switched me to another boss soon after. But yeah. <laughs> you were definitely blessed to have that type of, um, that type of supervisor um, going into public health. Uh, thank you. And I've had uh, much worse later on, which I think <laughs> about later. <laughs> and actually, which led me to no longer work in an agency, which you could talk about later, too. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so those were all awesome responses. And I just want to point out two things. You know, we have to, as public health professionals, a lot of times you hear people say, uh, like Elisa and Dr. April Moreno was saying, you know, I don't have experience in public health or I'm waiting to get my public health, my first public health job. But chances are you are already doing public health. And so we have to start changing our perspectives instead of saying, oh, how can I get into public health? You have to start asking yourself, how is what I'm doing right now public health? If you are driving for Uber or Lyft, trust me, you're doing public health. You are <laughs> contributing to the transportation of people to get to where they need to go, getting to their doctor's appointments, um, getting to the grocery store, getting to wherever they need to go. That is public health. If you are working at Starbucks, if you are working at a, uh, a restaurant, a food establishment, that is part of public health. It doesn't matter if you're a dog walker, helping people with their pets, that is part of public health. So we have to take a moment and kind of shift that perspective. And you have to start asking yourself, how is what I'm already doing or how have how um, how how the, I cannot talk tonight. <laughs> how have I already done public health? So I just Andrew, I would just like to add to that. That's very true. Um, it goes back to just exactly what I said about just utilizing utilizing all of your skill sets. Um, although you may have the degree, you got your public health, your bachelor's in public health, and you're just like, what am I supposed to do now? I can't get a job in public health. Like Joy said, it is all about utilizing those skill sets that you already have and you're probably already doing and looking at it from a different lens. It's changing your perspective um, of saying that I'm already working in public health and just kind of I'm all about manifesting and speaking things into existence. So saying that you are in public health already, um, but not I'm looking or I haven't gotten into the field yet, you know, the words matter. And so I would say change your mindset around what you are doing, just like uh, Joy just said. And also one of my colleagues at the time, she got uh, a promotion, a, a very great promotion um, after we were working together for a couple of years. And she was just like, you know, you need to embellish. <laughs> <laughs> whatever that means to you, whatever you feel comfortable with, um, if you can speak about your experiences in a way that matches what they're saying they need and you can confidently say that you have done that or can you know speak like you've done that mm -hmm. um you know that will get you that that great promotion that you're looking for and there's also consultants out there who are really good with um how to find the key words say the key because you know if you're working for government it goes the your resume goes through some kind of screening like some kind of you know, software. And so if you say the key word, the exact way that what they're, you know, for what they're looking for, then you'll get a higher score. Your, your resume will jump out to the HR team. And um, that's the way that you can, you get recruited, you get interviewed. 
Absolutely. It really is all about the writing um, on your resume because you're right. I worked for the state of Nevada and then I've worked for the local government, um, which is the uh, health district. And they do screen. They do send it through a screening process. So it is your, your wording. You have to be a wordsmith. If you're not a wordsmith, I would say like um, she just stated hire a, a consultant that does resumes um, or a resume company so that they can wordsmith your resume um, for the things that you do. So if you do work at Starbucks, a great resume writer will be able to say that you were a conduit to <laughs> to people receiving their beverages and you know, just in a way where it's going to make it sound like, oh, you have public, you have public experience. You know how to work with people, you know how to have customer service. And that's really what people are looking for sometimes. It's not always the fact that you have a 10-year public health um uh background. Sometimes it's just we just need to know that you know how to talk to people. <laughs> and that you're friendly and that you want to learn. Mm. Yeah. And also, um, gosh, I lost my train of thought, but um, yeah, so I guess I'm thinking about two different uh, lines of thought right now. So public health, as Joy was mentioning, uh, it covers so many things. Uh, Public health, there's this diagram I once saw and I can't find it. Um, It's a tree and it covers like every single aspect of everything we do in life right and it's kind of like social determinants but it was a little before even that term came out but it's like every aspect of everything we do in life in our community has a public health aspect as dr joy was saying from the air quality that conversation is a public health issue to the transportation you know um, when i was working in child support i ended up working in this rail next to this rail yard that's like notorious for a really bad particulate matter so you know, that became a public health conversation that I first started out with. And then to like the water quality, the lead, uh, like what's happening with Flint still. And, you know, so many things like and then policy, politics, policy, all of that is also public health. So there are so many ways you can interpret your experience in a way. Uh, if you're reaching out to people, you can make it uh, a, a conversation about public health. That's one thing. And then also um, that conversation about the resume. Um, yeah. So there's people who just like what exactly what that resume or what that job description says they're looking for. You have to find the exact same way to match your terminology to meet the needs of what it's looking for. Yes. So, and the other thing that I wanted to mention as well, Dr. Moreno was uh, talking about her boss. She had an awesome boss, right? The other thing that you want to make sure when you jumpstart your public health career is your network. Your network and networking skills is going to be the most powerful tool in your toolbox to get you where you want to go. Um, and a lot of times you will have, I have never, me personally, every job I have had, um, from the time I was in college till now has been because of my network, because somebody called me one day and was like, Hey, I got a job for you. Or are you interested in this opportunity? Literally every job opportunity I have had has been because someone has called me or emailed me or communicated with me because I was the first person that came to their mind when they saw that job description. So you want to make sure that, You know, when you're on LinkedIn and you're connecting with people or, you know, people at the nearby hospital or uh, public health department or wherever, that when you're networking with those people that you have a high quality network. I don't care if you have 5000 connections on LinkedIn. It doesn't matter if it's not a high quality network. So you got to start working on building your professional 
relationships because that's what's going to carry you throughout your public health career. Uh, so I just wanted to bring that up before we go to our next question. And our next question um, is going to be, is there anything that you would have done differently in your public health career? And if so, what would you have done? And um, before we before you answer that question, um, this is going to be our last question before we bring up people to for Q&A. So if you have questions, get ready to hit that request button to get ready to come up to the stage after um, they answer this question. So I'll start. Um, this is Elisa again. Um, is there anything that I would change about my public health career? No, I think that everything that has happened to me in public health, um, as far as racism, as far as discrimination, um, in the specific jobs I've worked in, I think it was all for my good. I, I'm the type of person that I now can look back and say, that's exactly why I have the passion that I have, because I've experienced it. And if I've experienced it working in the field, then I know the community is experiencing, experiencing it. And I think that that's what makes me fight harder. And I don't think I would fight as hard if I hadn't experienced um, the racism in public health, if I didn't see that certain uh, communities were not getting access to health, especially like during this vaccination or this um, this pandemic. Um, literally, the black community here in Las Vegas was just shut out. There was no uh, there was nobody concerned about the black community. Every time you turn on the news, um, the emails that I would get, no one's talking about the black community getting access to uh, to face masks and understanding what social distance is. And if anything, we are the community that didn't know about public health. Again, that's not something that our culture understands or even talks about. And when we do hear about public health, it's in a negative connotation. It's Tuskegee, right? It's Henrietta Lacks. It's all these negative things. So for us to be the last ones to get face mask and get the vaccinations and things of that nature. I think my public health, um, seeing the things that I've seen in public health, which have been somewhat negative, it actually fueled me to push harder and to fight harder through legislation and through my own business and to even start my own business. I don't think I would have even started my own business if I didn't see that there was a need for it because I'm not just one of those people that just want to um, have a business just to say I'm a CEO because um, that is a, a trend that's happening these days. But it, re it really is a need in our country because of the lack of education around public health. So I would say, no, I wouldn't change anything. That's powerful. Um, yeah, this is Dr. April and I would change one thing. So working in government is a slow moving, you know, it's, it's slow. Sometimes you're sitting at the desk. Um, I think things are changing hopefully now with the traditional desk cubicle life. But um, I was working in LA County and, um, the thing I would change is to stop gossiping. You have too much time when you work for the government and you end up like saying some stupid stuff. I mean, it just happens sometimes when you're bored, the gossip starts coming out. And um, I regret that. And maybe I don't know if it's an age thing. I don't know what. But, um, you know, I, I participated a whole lot in that gossip thing. Um, oh, you know, I think that person, I don't know why she's not here today. You know, the whole thing. And I regret that. I don't like that attitude. I don't like the way I was back then. I mean, I, I was going through my own mess, of course, at the time as well. But that's something I would have um, not done. Less gossip, less chisme, spending more time focusing on the side hustle working on how to build that business on the side. As one mentor said while we were there, 
in the mentorship program in child support, which was wonderful. Uh, we had a mentorship program and she, uh, she said, you always have to have something on the side, no matter what you have this nice County job, but you make sure that if something were to happen and we did run into a recession in 2000 and for, forget when now, <laughs> something that ends with the eight, was it 18 or 08? I can't remember. Um, but anyways, there was that recession and people were starting to get furloughed and things. She said, you must always have something on the side. And I remember that and I didn't know what, I didn't know how to do it, but I would, I wish I had spent more time focusing on self-development than just sitting there and kind of getting bored, getting into the gossip. Um, the other thing is um, what I would not, I would not redo is that experience, as Elisa said, with the discrimination and the racism. LA County is a unique place. I would say for the most part, the diversity is there, but I will say as well, that we had Jonathan Fielding as the le the leader. And if you go to UCLA, you'll know who I'm talking about. He put in like some $30 billion into the Department of Public Health this, with his name on it. Um, he was our chief of public health at the time in LA County. His assist, the next one down, his name is Jonathan Friedman. Like how, you know, what the heck, right? So other than that, we did have a lot of diversity and inclusion, but for the most part, the two top men were white males with almost the same freaking name, right? Um, anyway, so there's that. And so there is still like racism, discrimination. I ended up, oh gosh, I'm in another county in Southern California now and um, the same thing, um, but worse. You know, my last job was um, in a fellowship with the CDC and um, it was it was really um, an experience in uh, a journey through racism um, where the, the chief of health equity didn't even know what health equity was. A uh, oh. white male who was just like, I treat all my patients the same. So I, I, don't, I don't need to go to this health equity meeting. You know, <laughs> it's like, no. Uh, so anyways, um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change some things. Um, I would definitely change myself if I could, but um, in terms of what's going on, we are here. I, I'm glad now that, you know, the work that we're doing can help to provide um, more of a voice and um, let people know public health has a lot more work to do. Absolutely. I agree. And, and for those who are new to the public health field or uh, maybe you're an MPH student and or looking to get into public health, you will have some negative experiences in public health as much as you might be passionate or motivated to work in public health, there will be some negative experiences. But trust and believe those negative experiences can be just as powerful as those positive ones. Um, because I know in my case, I learned what kind of public health professional I do not want to be, what kind of leader I do not want to be. And that's just as important to pay attention to. Um, because one day you will be that leader, you will be um, high in the ranks, you know, making decisions and doing that type of thing. So those lessons are important when you first jumpstart your public health career, those things that you see, the things that you observe and the things that you paid attention to and keep track of that. You know, I, I like to, to write things down and say, OK, let me recount this experience and remember this is the type of person I don't want to be or this is the type of organization I do not want to run. Exactly. And I would say and I would literally say, like, like you said, recount those things. Don't get discouraged by the negativity or the racism or anything that you see in public health. Just know that let it fuel you, if anything, let it fuel you to say that's why I'm in this field, to change the trajectory of other people's experiences, calling those people out, 
um, calling racism out. We have to be more vocal these days in the things that we see and not be so um, so muted. Um, those days are gone where we just sit and watch people treat us badly or call us uh, names or whatever that whatever that looks like. It's now a time where we need to call those things out. Racism is being declared in many states as a public health issue. And if that's the case, then we have to call those things out as they are. And how it's being, um, how it's going on within the public health agency as well, right? So that's big. And that's something that, you know, I hope that the next generation or current generation of public health professionals continues to um, have a voice about, to be very vocal and to make sure and stand up for themselves and their communities when we see these things happening, when people start telling you that, you know, the social determinant of health is because of, you know, being a person of color or, you know, when people tell you that, oh, it's just because, you know, someone's a person of color that they have high blood pressure. You know, it's it's not, it's a lot more than that. And um, I hope more people are able to stand up and, and change the culture. Absolutely. And Alisa and I were talking about this uh, yesterday, but not everyone who's in public health has the right heart or the right motive or the right intention. Um, So as a public health professional, you really have to act and make decisions with discernment and being observational in what's going on because we, we, people are still human, right? Um, So we have to make sure that we are aware that not everyone has the same intention or the same motive or the same passion that you do for public health. And there's some people that's in public health for a check. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's a lot of people who do that. So, you know, just, just be aware of that. Uh, I'm going, I see a request up, so I'm gonna go ahead and bring you to the stage, but go ahead. If you all want to uh, say anything. Else. All right. Dr. Leslie, you are on. Hi, um, good evening, everyone, or good afternoon, wherever you may be. Um, I am curious for our speakers um, this evening what your uh, advice would be, say, to public health education programs. So I'm a, a assistant professor in a bachelor's and master's of public health program in southeastern Virginia. And just as, as you are in your careers, what do, are you seeing as the skills that are needed for this next generation of public health? That is a fantastic question because I hired directly from the School of Public Health at University of Nevada, Las Vegas. And I've actually had this conversation with them, with uh, professors that are there that run the uh, internship programs that, you know, that they're putting out, (laughs) they're putting out students who aren't ready or there's something lacking within the uh, the curriculums. Um, for instance, I just hired uh, two of them for um, some outreach projects that I had, and one just was very transparent with me and said, "I I know what the word outreach means, but I don't know what it looks like." And he came out with a bachelor's in public health, and I said, "What do you mean you don't know what outreach mean or looks like? You do you know like the definition?" He's like, "Yeah, but I've never done it." I've never experienced it. I don't even know what it looks like because I've never had the experience of it. So for me, this is like my, I'm in my fourth year, going on my fourth year in my business. So this is my fourth uh, year um, being exposed to students coming out of public health schools. And this includes masters, um, public health and masters programs. And it's very concerning to me, honestly, as a business owner, because one, I understand um, coming into public health and not knowing everything. So I do give them that grace, but I don't understand um, just some of the things that 
these public health schools are, are offering as far as courses, outreach should not be um, an elective class. It should be part of the core curriculum. You should know what outreach means, uh, at least be able to see it, whether it's a part of your internship, whether you go work for a company that allows you to see what outreach is, um, just to know what that even means. Even if you're going to be behind the scenes as a data analysis person or evaluation person, you still need to know what those jobs are so that you can evaluate correctly. Um, so I would say for public health programs, really look at your curriculums. Um, are you teaching social determinants of health uh, and what that really looks like? Not just the words, not just definitions, but are you giving your students the opportunities to have speakers come in um, and, and tell them about their agency and what they do and, and tell them and show them pictures of outreach and uh, pictures of what social determinants looks like um, just so that they're having that that visual, I guess, and they're being able to connect um, with someone that actually works in the field. That's one of the biggest things that I see is that um, students are coming out of, especially here, University of Nevada, Las Vegas, they're coming out of school and they're like, okay, now I need to go get a job, but I don't even know, you know, the only thing they know is the health district or the state or the government. They don't even know the community the community uh, programs that are out there that do public health as well. So maybe exposing uh, students to more uh, community people who are actually doing the work, letting them be a part of those internship programs so that they can actually have some, some knowledge and understanding under their belt. That would be my suggestion. And this is Dr. April here. And um, so I guess a few things came up for me. So. Um, I like the fact that we're talking about these other fields as well. So public health jobs are not just government jobs. You have, um, you know, academic jobs. You can become a professor, things like that, right? A researcher, things like that. Um, you can work for a university without being a professor. Uh, you can um, also work for nonprofits in public health capacities. So there's a lot of different things you can do. And then also with the service learning aspect, I'm, I'm not sure if that's something, I mean, I've taught the class of service learning like in a health, like a clinical school in the past, but I don't know if that's something that is discussed much in the field of public health in the schools. Um, but service learning is, you know, this aspect of like you go out into the community and you serve and you're actually learning along the way. So there's that, that would be a wonderful aspect to, to teach as a course and maybe within a, a course, just having a project in service learning, um, volunteering. If, if you're a student and you're not getting that um, outreach aspect in your courses, just getting some time, volunteer for a weekend, volunteer for a semester, get those credits um, to say that you've actually done some outreach and helped out in a certain community. That would be wonderful. And then also in terms of health communications, as you mentioned, I highly you know, I'm very biased right now. <laughs> I highly suggest podcasting as a way to um, get that experience in health communications. I also um, recommend speaking at conferences. And also, even as you're volunteering, just offering those um, conversations and lectures um, at, um, at these audience or at these community locations. Yeah, And in addition to that, uh, in addition to students being able to apply what they're learning because so many times we get the the textbook right we know what to do but we don't know exactly how to implement it and so that's one of the things i was grateful for with my public health program is that by the time i graduated i had conducted an assessment i had done qualitative research um i had submitted to a journal um so actually having the opportunity to apply a lot of these concepts and then the other thing that i would say um is that students need to to be able to see and understand how research is connected connected 
to action? How do we take the things that we have gathered from the data and then how do we take that data and put it into action, put it into a program, put it into something that can be implemented in the community? Um, so it's just not one way or the other. So that would be um, my two cents. Dr. Leslie, did that answer your question? Yeah, of course it did. We're always, um, we, you know, our bachelor's program requires an internship. Our master's program requires a practicum um, placement or project. And so we have those external opportunities um, for learning. I was just, you know, listening in for the types of skills um, that are relevant to today's, you know, modern public health workforce, governmental nonprofit public, private, whatever. Um, and just curious to, you know, on, on that part of it, what you're seeing as sort of the, the, over the next decade, you know, what we really need to be skilled in. I'm seeing a lot of SAS needs. Um, so I was just speaking to a friend of mine the other day and uh, she works for an agency, um, like a state agency in public health. And she was just mentioning that there was a shortage of folks who are skilled in using SAS. And I was telling her, you know, I, you know, sometimes we like other types of software and she's like, no, but you need SAS because that's what the CDC is using for the reporting of data. So um, it, that's a huge need right now. Okay, awesome. Um, I'm going to move on to the next question. I do not want to mispronounce your name, so I'm going to spell it out. D-R-I? Um, yeah, that's my nickname, but my actual name is um, Adrian. Um, thank you so much for hosting this Twitter space. Um, I am currently a PhD candidate at the University of Louisville in the School of Public Health. And so I'm um, obviously thinking about um, my next steps. And I really just wanted to get um, you all's um I guess, perspective and just some advice specifically on um, choosing between, um, you know, the different types of sectors in which we can go to. So like, yes, of course, you know, a PhD is a you know streamlined to academia. However, um, there's industry jobs and other things and, you know, community nonprofits. And so just um, from your experience, like what, I guess, of course, there's pros and cons to each. Um, but what would you say, um, like, in your experience, did you prefer one over the other? Um, what skills um, would be more, would serve themselves to um, a specific job or something like that? So that's really what I'm trying to um, understand why I'm here today. Um, I would say, um, yeah, this is Dr. April. Um, yeah, so I just finished a uh, postdoc, I guess that was back in, not just, it was like 2017. And um, at the time, I really wanted to become a professor. And um, it just didn't happen for me. I wasn't really able to travel to another country or another state or whatever to apply for uh, professor jobs, tenure track jobs. And that was kind of a dream, but I'm happy where I'm, I'm at um, geographically. So um, I would say that um, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of people in my department who moved into industry. We were in biomedical informatics at the time. And um, so it kind of depends on what you're interested in. And then also just being open to what's available at the time. And, you know, location's a huge one, right? If you're open to moving, uh, you have so much more option, so much more variety of options. Uh, if you're able to um, just travel wherever you need to go for a job, that's number one. Uh, so I guess for, for, um, I would say just prioritize, think, think about, you know, what's most important to you. And then from there, um, also meeting your skills. So not sure exactly what your skill set is, what you're particularly interested in. So we're not, you know, monolithic public health graduates with PhDs. We all have uh, different skills, right? Different gifts, different talents. 
Um, some people are highly qualitative, more quantitative on the other side. And so if you are quantitative, I would say there is so much demand for your skills right now, whether it be in epidemiology or even in industry, if you want to work for a tech company, um, you know, if you want to work for something like, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't say I don't know IBM, but, you know, something that involves big data analysis, they would love you, you know, so um, there's a lot of options. I think in terms of public health, they, there is a lot of, um, there's a lot of appreciation for big data analytics. So if that's something you're uh, open to doing, but then if you're more on the policy side or you're open to more of a qualitative perspective or CBPR, that's definitely more of a community approach. So um, maybe looking a little bit more into nonprofit work or um, you know, if you could get into an um, academic position, tenure track would be wonderful. Um, but um, so it just really depends on what your skills are, what your location is, uh, what you're, where you're willing to go. Uh, and also, um, even uh, industry seems to pay very well. Um, so, yeah, kind of what your income goals are as well. Yeah, and I this would, is Alisa, uh, and I would absolutely agree um, with Dr. April. Um, it's all about so everyone has a different everyone has a different way that they got into public health or a different track that they've taken, right? Um, as I stated, I had my um, I had a paralegal associates and I had a, a psychology uh, degree. Um, BA. And once I was, I was already working at the Office of Public Health, Informatics and Epidemiology, I learned um, within that, I learned all of those skill sets while I was there. Um, they did not require me to have a master's or a PhD um, getting into that field. Um, and I honestly, and this is not to, you know, take away from anybody else, but I honestly didn't feel like I needed it. I've ran an HIV program. I've, um, I'm a, I teach at College of Southern Nevada. Um, with my bachelor's degree and because of my 10 year experience. So it really does depend on what your goals are. If you um, are, you know, if the type of job that you need requires a master's or requires a PhD, if you know that you want to be in academia and you know that you want to teach, then of course you're going to need that master's or you're going to need that PhD, depending on whether you just want to be an adjunct professor or whether you want to be um, a full-time professor. So all of those things are going to be need to take in consideration. But I'm one of those, um, I'm one of those people that, I'm not big into, you know, titles. I don't think pe uh, titles make people. I think the person makes the job and you can do those skill sets with um, with what you have. And you just have to add on to it by taking different courses, um, going into different trainings and things of that nature. So I would say for me, I've seen that I'm in comparison with I'm on calls with people with masters and PhDs all the time. And I'm invited to the table all the time with just what I have. So it's going to depend on you, what it is that you want for, for your life, your um, the income that you want to make, and then what area you want to go into. So I would say research the area that you want to go into, see what it requires, and then go from there. Agreed with all that has been said. Uh, did that answer your question, Adrian? Yes, it did. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Okay, awesome. Uh, we're going to get our last two in uh, with the last 10 minutes. Is it Bernice? Yes, hi, my name's Bernice. Thank you so much for this space. Um, I'm, I took a bunch of notes and I'm really excited for this. So I'm a second year PhD student and um, a nurse practitioner by like training. So um, my research focuses on infectious diseases, but for some reason I get a little pushback about like the getting into like public health space because they somehow like di di divide like 
my clinical experience and now seeking like a research experience, they, they, a lot of people feel like I'll kind of pigeon my pigeonhole myself. Um, and so I'm, I feel like I'm being pipelined almost into the academic space, which I have some interest in, but I, I definitely want to be able to explore other options. So I was wondering if you had any advice on how to like network and gain like training experiences or fellowship opportunities where I could get more of that like out of the clinical space public health um, experience, if that makes sense. Thank you. Yes, it actually does make a lot of sense because I come from the infectious disease world um, and, and switching over to chronic diseases was uh, was tough. A lot of people didn't want me in, in that space um, because I had been doing infectious diseases for seven of my 10 years. And now the last three years, I've ha I have added chronic disease, um, different chronic diseases into my uh, repertoire um, based off of the, the classes that I teach but also um, the trainings that I've gone to. So what I would say is utilize, and this is what I tell all of my students, utilize LinkedIn. I know that we're super, you know, a social media society and we're, you know, spending more time on Instagram making reels and all these things. But I would say spend most of your time on LinkedIn. That is where the professionals are. That's where you're going to find courses. LinkedIn even offers courses now. Um, and then look for those, look for different trainings. Um, what I did was, um, because I know so many people in the field, I just started telling people, hey, I want to learn more about uh, hypertension. I want to I want to take a diabetes training class, um, I, you know, and I just started telling my fellow colleagues and what they did w was they start sending me things that would come out. So different trainings that would come out. I would start getting emails or a LinkedIn inbox um, saying, hey, Lisa, I know that you said you wanted to start doing this or you want to take this type of training. Here's one that's being offered. So I would say network, network, network. That is like, um, I know Joy stated it earlier, but if I could just emphasize that this career, this field is a networking field. I get majority of my work done because I know people, because I can literally call people in so many different departments and say, hey, I need this data. Hey, do you have this? I would not be able to be as successful um, with helping minority communities as, as I am if I did not know people in different fields. So I would say network and not just with people that are in the space that you want to be in, but in all spaces. So all of public health, like Dr. April said, there's so many people that are in nonprofits that are running public health programs. There's so many academia um, professors that are willing to help. There's so many people in you know chronic disease space. Start networking on uh, LinkedIn start networking just in general in your city and your town, um, going to public health uh, spaces. I know that it's the pandemic right now and maybe there's not a lot of in-person things, but there's a lot of virtual stuff happening. Find those things just like you found this and, and start getting on those things so people know your name and you start telling people your desires and what you want and they'll start sending you things um, that kind of match those, those uh, training areas that you're looking for. It's interesting. Uh, this is Dr. April, and, and I definitely use my doctor because I almost didn't even survive th to get through it. So <laughs> I, I had to do it. I had, I had to get through it. And um, I yeah, I'm just glad I made it through. Um, so Bernice, I was just um, talking to someone um, just like yesterday for the podcast, and it was about um, from public health nursing into the field of public health. And so the person I spoke to um, actually did this complete shift and basically meeting the needs of what was going on with the pandemic and things. Um, they had been a nurse and then they, um, you know, just based on the needs that they, they did the degree, um, a master's. And then from there, they, 
um, just met the needs of what that um, county uh, agency had, and they've gone into policy from there. So kind of breaking out of the clinical realm into these other things. So I think even within nursing, which is so interesting that um, people are able to, I've looked at jobs in the past and they wanted a nursing degree. And this is like for quality improvement or for policy analysis for, you know, so many really cool things, program evaluation. I was like, oh, but they want a nurse. So um, I guess all this to say that there are just, so, there's such a variety of options and possibilities out there. And um, so yeah, I guess with the LinkedIn and the networking, making a name for yourself out in that way. Um, and then also, um, you know, if you're a PhD student, there, I guess I can say a lot about that maybe off the record, but um, your advisors, um, you choose your advisors, right? You can choose your advisors. Yes, you can choose your advisors. You can let go of advisors and find new ones who would um, support what you want to do. And so finding the the team who um, the dissertation team or whatever who is open to let you study what you want to study and if you want if you want to bring in another external advisor as well you can do that um, so yeah the PhD journey is it's it's a fun journey right it's a huge journey of self-discovery just knowing that you can get through those goals things like that it's a it's a po it's a personal challenge in many ways right we do it not that we necessarily want to have to do it uh, we do it because we want to do it and um Anyways, what I'm saying is you have the choice um, in that process, whichever stage you're at, even if it's almost done, um, you can choose from there um, to specialize in anything you want, right? So if you're applying to jobs afterwards, you, you decide, my research is on this, and it doesn't have to be clinical. Uh, so, I mean, depending on the constraints and whatever you're going through, but um, just, you know, know that there are some options out there. Awesome. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get to our last question. Is it Caroline or Carol? Caroline? Yes. Hi, I'm Caroline. Um, I just want to reiterate, first of all, what Adrian and Bernice said. Thank you all so much for hosting this panel. It's been really insightful. Um, so just for a little bit of context, I uh, recently graduated from Columbia with my Master of Public Health in May. Um, so needless to say, I have a lot of student debt. Um, and one thing that I've been grappling with recently has been whether I should um, continue to pursue my public health passions or maybe, you know, go down a, or find a public health job, I guess that's better compensated. Um, and I know notoriously public health jobs are not very well compensated. And of course, everyone's experience is different. Um, but was just wondering if you guys had any advice to give on that um, or if maybe you'd experienced a similar dilemma and, and how you were able to reconcile those two things. So thank you. I just want to understand the, um, the question. Caroline, are you, are you asking if you should continue in looking for a position in public health now that you've graduated or take what you can get so that you can pay off your debt? Yeah, so I, I have a public health position right now. I'm working in research, but I think it's maybe a little bit less well compensated than something like consulting. So I was just curious to know if um, if you'd all experienced a similar dilemma and, and kind of what you chose to go down, I, if that makes sense. Yes. So I would say um, I would go after your passions. I mean, this life is too short to not do anything other than that. Uh, so if you have a, a specific area of public health that you want to be in and that you desire to be in, I would go down that path because then you won't be happy. And we I've seen too many 
unhappy public health workers. And they're the ones who are going out to the community, um, bringing, you know, uh, sadness on everyone else because they're so they're so uh, their life is miserable or whatever. So I would say at all costs, always find what it is that you really want to do. And yes, there is a, a dollar sign that comes behind those type of jobs. But don't look at it as a as an end. Um, if it's not paying exactly what you would want it to pay, because there's always the moving up, right? There's always you showing your skill sets, taking other trainings that's going to um, add to those skill sets where people can see your value and then move you up into different promotion, uh, promotional uh, opportunities. Um, but I would say get, when you get into this field, because you have the opportunity to kind of go where you want to go, I would go there. Um, I wouldn't want to be stuck in something that I don't want to do because we all know what that feels like. We've all worked at jobs that we didn't like before just to, you know, get into public health or to go to school for public health. And we were miserable. So I would say go into the area that you want to go in. And then as far as compensation, ask for what, for what it is that you want. Um, get that resume builder, <laughs> a person that we talked about earlier, uh, so they can wordsmith uh, your experience that you've had so far. Um, do that network. Um, and somebody will somebody will see your value and will pay you, if not what you're looking for, at least something similar. Um, so that's kind of my advice. I'm just really big on not wasting this this time that we have here um, in life um, doing anything that I don't want to do. So I would say go into the area in the field that you want to um, of public health and you just know that you're going to get to the, the conversation uh, rate that you would want to get to. Um, it may take a couple years. It, you may never know. It may just be in six months. You just never know. But if you don't get into the your purpose, I don't think that you will be happy. Um, yeah, this is Dr. April. There's just different um, types of careers and things. So um, if student loans are a huge concern, you know, there is the public service loan forgiveness program. I think they're kind of fixing it. And I know in the past where people were like paying into it for 10 entire years and then finding out at the very last minute that somehow there was some some tedious error that um, just didn't qualify them at the end of the 10 years. <laughs> that was really sad. But, um, you know, I'm hearing some really good things right now. Like they're even doing like back pay, like back credit. So like you apply now and you, if you've been working for, you know, a government agency for the past five years, they'll give you that additional five years of credit of service, even though you just apply. So that's wonderful. So for anyone out there who just um, has been working for a public, you know, this is even nonprofit. You don't have to be working for a government agency, public service forgiveness program, PSLF. Um, they even give you back years of credit now um, based on depend. It doesn't even matter when you apply. So that's wonderful. So that's a huge thing. Um, the other thing I've noticed is that um, different counties, if you work for a, a larger, um, you know, county or larger um, government agency, you might have more variety of um, um, salary amounts, uh, different jobs and categories that are available to you. So, um, yeah, with the the assistance of someone who can creatively um, help you with your resume so that you can qualify for much higher pay. Um, that's something that I would recommend. But then, of course, um, yeah, in, uh, industry pays more in many cases. So I guess the first thing is, um, you know, are you dedicated to a specific type of work? Are you dedicated to HIV work? Or are you dedicated to, you know, a certain type of public health? And maybe starting to open the options in that way. So like, regardless of what capacity, what what field or what um, who uh, I'm working for, maybe it, it's just that field, that type of subjects that I'm really interested in. 
Um, and then also, again, considering whether it qualifies for the public service, nonprofit or government um, agencies um, to get your student loans down. Um, and then I would also say that, yeah, if you do work for a government agency, um, they're not going to negotiate with you um, on your pay, um, unfortunately. But uh, what you want to do is just see how you can uh, go up the ladder and find the jobs that do pay well, ex especially in a larger agency. And I just wanted to add to about the consultancy because she did ask about that as well. And I forgot to say that before. <clears throat> um, being an entrepreneur and being a consultant is not as easy as we probably make it seem. Uh, <laughs> it's it's a lot of work. Um, it's very tedious to um, to go out there and get those type of grants. Yes, it does allow you to go after the, the type of work that you want to go after. But uh, what I'm seeing in public health is a lot of people a lot of students are coming out and going right into consulting work. They just they just want to have their own consulting firm, whether it's because it sounds good or just want the autonomy or whatever the case is. Um, people are going to hire you based off of your experience and based off of what you've done. And so if you're coming right out of school and you're going right into consulting work, you might have a harder time getting those grants or those sub subcontracts um, because they're going to look and see like, when did you graduate? Where did you graduate from? And then what experience have you, have you had in public health? So I would always tell students um, to make sure that you get some experience underneath your belt, whether that is working for the government, whether that's working for a local health district or a nonprofit that has a public health program. Um, that way you have more to add to your resume, to your portfolio to say, Hey, I am the person that you would want to hire for this for this uh, specific contract or grant um, because this is my skill set. If you don't have that, it's kind of hard to beat out the competition per se. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so consulting is wonderful. Self-employment self is wonderful. Entrepreneurship is exciting. Uh, but yeah, it does take time. It, um, I mean, I think kind of best case scenarios is where, that I've seen is where we've got these retired um, public health agency folks that broke into consulting afterwards. And, you know, they have their contacts, they have their experience, they have their network, and they do just fine. Um, and that's like kind of the best case scenario. I've also seen people, um, when we talk about nonprofits, I mean, I'm thinking things like the Alzheimer's Foundation, but no, nonprofits are also things like uh, CSTE, the Council of State and Territorial Epidemiologists, ASTO, and you know, the CDC Foundation, all these really wonderful public health related nonprofits. And I have seen people who worked in these places for, you know, maybe five years. And from there, they started their consulting and did pretty well. Um, and as we move to a close, thank you all for your questions and thank you to the speakers as well. If you enjoyed this conversation, make sure you tweet about it. And before we go, we're just going to have the speakers and I'll share about upcoming events and other tips and resources that you can access. Um, so, Elisa, would you uh, share where people can find you and how to communicate with you? Absolutely. So I'm on LinkedIn um, under just Elisa Howard. Um, I think it's Elisa Howard, comma, C-H-W-I. And that's a community health worker instructor for anybody that's wondering what the I is for. Um, and then I'm on Facebook under uh, Minority Health Consultants, on Instagram as Minority Health Consultants, and LinkedIn as well, if you just want to follow, um, not me personally, but maybe my business. Okay. Oh, go ahead. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we're at publichealthpodcasters.com. We provide um, career development service, we a membership and um, podcasting tutorials and training. So basically we support public health professionals across all stages of their career trajectory. 
And so um, the other thing we have coming up uh, with the nonprofit, if you have an autoimmune condition, if, so, if that's something that you're concerned about, we do have the Autoimmune Health Equity Summit that's going to be coming up in March. So you can find out more at acicommunity.org. Okay, awesome. And if you're interested in pursuing a career in community health and health education, but you're not quite sure where to start, um, our signature program at Joy Washington Consulting is called the Public Health Career Compass, which is a two-hour power-packed live virtual workshop that's designed to give you clarity and direction as a public health professional. And in, so you can get more information at www.joywashington.com. You can also send an email to info at joywashington.com. I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram. Uh, and of course, here on Twitter at Dr. Underscore Joy. And I also have an email list where you can subscribe and get more information. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Joy podcast. You can learn more about Joy Washington Consulting at www.joywashington.com. And don't forget, come follow me on Instagram. We'll have a good time.